0: chapter number four we've been doing a series for many many weeks now about the but gods of the bible where God interrupts and uh, thankful for what he's taught us and how many times he can come into our lives and change things radically reverse things in our lives and so we're going to look at at this one today and this will be the next to the last one and I I can assure you I haven't covered every but God in the Bible. There are some others, and a lot of the same themes crisscross over the top of, of some of the uh, of some of the same passages. And so, but I picked out several ones for emphasis. And this is the next to the last one: Philippians chapter four, verse nineteen. Very familiar. Let's all stand. We'll read it. Let's read it together. Philippians four nineteen. You probably heard it quoted before. And it's a good verse to hide in your heart. Philippians 4 and verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You can be seated. But God shall supply all your need. I'm calling this God obviously interrupts our need. God interrupts our need. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank You for Your presence. Now, no doubt, Father, Your presence goes with us when we go home, when we lay down, when we rise up, when we go to the workplace, when we take the kids to school. Everywhere, Your presence follows with us. God, there's no doubt but God, we can qualify that statement by saying there are times when Your manifest presence seems to be nearer and, and than other times. And Father, we thank You for those times that we can come into Your presence and You speak and touch our hearts. And You can mend our wounds and quench our thirst, Father. God, we just praise You for those times in Your presence. Now, Father, I pray that Your presence would be no less uh, than in the music and in the preaching. Father, we pray that You would manifest Your presence in what's being said today. That You would meet the needs of a needy people, Father. Doubtless, none of us in here, as we've come in today, are self-sufficient. We all bring a baggage, a bag full of our needs and our desires and our urgencies, Father. God, we pray that You'd show us from this Scripture how You meet those needs. How we can cling to Your Word and trust You that You will meet our needs. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And amen. The great evangelist D.L. Moody once referred to Philippians 4.19 as God's check. He, He described it this way. He said, My God is the name of the firm printed on the check. Shall supply is the promise to pay. All your need is the amount to be paid according to His riches is the resources in the account against which the check is drawn. In glory is the address of the bank. (laughs) And by Christ Jesus is the signature which appears on the bottom of the check. You know, you may have never thought of this verse as a check, but this portion of God's Word is a promise That every one of us, every child of God can take, so to speak, to the bank. It is a promise that we can claim. And and for a few moments, I'd like to draw out four applicable facts in this verse and apply them to our lives. There are four facts I want you to see from this verse that you can put in your pocket and take with you to help you to cling to the promise of God's interruption of our need. The first thing I want you to see is the share of God's supply. This is a verse that I've I've heard quoted all my life. One of the most famous times, any time I read this verse, I think of Ed Ballou. Ed Ballou, several messages that I have. He's preached out of this and preached about how God can supply our need. It's not only used, but sometimes it's abused. You see, the reason is that many neglect the context of our statement and, 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 and overestimate their share or their stake in this verse. A lot of people have claimed this verse, but there's a share. There's a stake that we have to get from the context of this verse. First of all, I want you to see a claim on conversion. Paul is not speaking to the world as a whole. Doubtless to say, there are many in this world who have the basic essentials in life, the needs that they uh, have in life that are neglected, that are that do go uh, unmet. There are many in this world uh, as a whole that don't have their needs met. He is writing to the church of the living God, a collection of individuals who have placed their faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 1 verse 5 speaks of the fellowship of the gospel. The fellowship, the commonality. Fellowship's just not two fellows in a ship, as I've been called, heard it called before. But it is that which we have in common. That which draws us together. Paul said in verse, in chapter 1 verse 5, that that's what's brought this collective group of Philippians together. The gospel. The good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in chapter 1 verse 11, he began to talk about their fruit of righteousness. You know, we shouldn't be too judgmental. And we shouldn't hop on our house and judge a lot of people, but we are called to be fruit inspectors. What is it? I believe Hebrews says, you don't get grapes of thorns. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits. So we are fruit inspectors. And Paul claims, and they have a claim, and they've, and Paul claims that they have brought forth fruit of righteousness. He's seen the fruit of their salvation. Their conversion is genuine. It's bona fide. He said, they have laid claim on a conversion. Paul claimed him as, uh, Paul claimed him as my God. In our verse, he said, but my God shall supply all your means. By virtue of the, of a, of the new birth, we can claim that God is our God. You see, that's the first step. If you're gonna take this check and take it to the bank, make sure it's got your name on it. <laughs> You can't take a check to the bank if it ain't got your name on it. You see, the truth be known is that in order for us to cash in this check, in order for us to claim on this promissory note, is the fact that we are got to be. We've got to be able to claim God as our God. Can you claim Him as such without that claim? This check is null and void. If you can't claim Jesus Christ as your savior if you can't claim it based upon your profession of faith and the fruit that has been born out of your life unto salvation then we have no claim on this verse you see there's a claim of conversion you have no share if you can't claim conversion secondly there's not only a claim on conversion there is a course of cooperation a course of cooperation now you remember something when it comes to the bible Context is king. Context is king. What the verse says in its context is what it means. And so it would be wrong for me to rip this verse from its context. I know you're not going to like this, but this verse comes in the context of giving. Yeah, I'm talking about your pocketbook, your checkbook, your bank account, all that stuff. As if this verse is hidden, is nestled in a place where where it's talking about our giving. And verses 14 through 18. Let me read verses 14 through 18 in your hearing. Look at what it says. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica uh, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire to give, but because I desire fruit that ye may abound to your account. But I have all, and abound I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God, Then comes verse 19. But my God shall supply your needs. You see, it is in the context of giving. This is basically what Paul is saying. He's saying, you met my need, and God's going to meet your need. He said, you met one need that I have, but my God will supply all of your needs. He's he's saying to them, you gave out of your poverty, but God will supply out of His riches. You see, because you gave, because they were in cooperation with God. They were going in the same direction as God. And might I say that if you're going in the same direction as God, then it'll produce itself not only with the Bible reading, the prayer, the church attendance, but it'll also be in your giving. I mean, I mean, these lights just don't stay on on their own. <laughs> I mean, the bills have to be paid, I the, price, uh, the propagation of the ministry has to go on. And Paul said, you did this not because I asked you to, not because I desire to give, but I desired that fruit could come from what you gave. You see, there's a cooperation that we see here. You see, there was not only a conversion, but a cooperation of obedience. We can only claim God's supply when we're in submission to His commands. That's the context. I hate to bust your bubble. But but if you have needs and you haven't fallen in line in cooperation, then your need is not necessarily a point for God's glory. Your need may very well be the chastisement of the Lord. Sorry to say, but if we're not in cooperation with Him, and that's why it's so important is on the front end of the problem before the trial ever gets here, you fall into obedience where you can come into that trial and say, God, I've done my best to obey your word. God, I've tried to have my footsteps in the path of righteousness and now I got a need. And your Bible says that if I'll give, that you'll give back to me, that you'll meet my needs out of your riches and glory. You see, do you have a share? Can you claim a share in this supply of God? Not only a share of God's supply, but let's move on to the next thing. The certainty of God's supply. You see, in this verse, the Apostle Paul leaves very little wiggle room for doubt. There is an air of certainty when Paul says it in these words uh, uh, with a stamp of approval by the Holy Ghost. He said, my God shall... Supply your needs. Shall. I mean, he just hits the nail on the head. You see, there's a promise of supply. Notice the word shall. D.L. Moody had it right when he referred to this verse, this whole verse as a check. A check is a promise to pay. That's why you write a check and you put it in your bills. It's It doesn't have any monetary value other than a promise. Other than your word, you're going to pay the power company. Your word that when it comes to the bank, the money will be shelled out. Here we have God's check and it says shall. It's a promissory note. It's got the guarantee of heaven on it. Uh, uh, Other such promises are found in God's word such as 2 Corinthians 9. And 6, but this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And He which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Luke six thirty eight given it shall be given unto you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom for the same measure that you meet with all. It shall be measured uh, t- to you again. Proverbs three nineteen. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy pa- presses shall burst with new wine. I think he means it as a promise. My God, Shall supply all your needs. When we honor the Lord and obey Him to the best of our ability, we have a share, a stake in the certainty of God's promise of supply. That's why it's so good to stay right with God. Amen. That's why it's good to live a righteous life. That's why it's good, uh, to, to do right. I, I was looking in my library. There's a big book right there by, uh, by that old preacher. Uh, I forget his name right now, but to do right. It's the name of the book. Do right. Do right if the stars fall from their silver sockets. Do right. Uh, Oh, Bob Jones Sr., that's who said that. And it's still true. That's why it's so important to do right. Because when it comes to your needs, when it comes to the problem, you can lift your head and say, God, I've tried to follow you. I've tried to do what you said. Now I have this need. I call in the check. I call in uh, the amount that I need for my needs. You see, it's the certainty of God's supply. It's a promise of supply. And then also a providence of supply. But my God shall supply. This is a providential supply. This is a resource that li- that, uh, that, uh, that lies outside of ourselves. A divine supply. Look back at verse 18. Notice in verse 18 that Paul said, But I have all and band. Notice what he said. I am full. Paul said the gift that you sent By Epaphras uh, or uh, Epaphroditus was such an amount that I'm full. I've got everything I need. I'm, I'm boiling over. My cup runneth over, Paul's saying right there. That same word translated, I am full, is the same word in 19 translated supply. Not a mealy mouth supply, but a great supply, a sufficient supply. You see, they met Paul's need to overflowing. Therefore, God will meet their need with no and no less fashion. Like what Hudson Taylor said, the great missionary to China, he said, "When God's work is done, God's way for God's glory, it will not lack in God's supply." And listen, if you're living your life in God's way for God's glory. Uh, 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 then you will not lack in God's supply in order to propagate what you're doing for God. I mean, listen, we don't have a whole lot of us here. And we've, we've been through some tight times. I tell you, ask Brother Bill, God supplied our needs month after month after month after month after month. God has kept us going. God has met our needs time and time again in this place. I can share family testimony after testimony after testimony how that God has sent money from out of places I had no idea would come, and God's met our needs. God's met our needs through groceries. God's met our needs through other other means of of, of support. You see, when we 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 see here that we have a certainty of God's supply. He shall. Supply that which was beyond us, that which is outside of us, he'll give it to the fullest extent. <laughs> you see the certainty of god's supply, our share in god's supply. now look at thirdly, the scope of god's supply. look at what he said, but my God shall supply notice what it said all your need, all your need, you know in basketball, basketball, uh, I was told. <laughs> I was told that anything beyond 18 feet, I was out of my range. I couldn't consistently hit, get the ball in the goal beyond 18 feet. It was outside of my range. But we'd play other teams, and I had a coach that say this, and the other team, he had a great player, and they'd say, boy, as soon as he walks in the gym, he's in range. <laughs> it doesn't matter if he's up in the upper deck, he's in range. He can knock it down. He can hit it from any point. Oh, that seems to be the way it is with God's an expansive supply. He's in range. Nothing lies outside of His range. He can hit it from any position, any place when it comes to the range and scope of God's supply upon His first entrance into our lives. This promise is that there is no need outside of His range. I don't care what kind of need it is, whether it's financial, emotional, physical, whatever the need is, it does not lay outside of His supply. It's not outside of His range. An expansive supply, all your need, an expansiveness of God's supply outstretches your physical needs it outruns your emotional needs, it outreaches your spiritual needs, it outmatches your financial needs. Your need may seem insurmountable, invincible, and impossible, but next to God, next to God, the God that said that Paul said was my God, there is no contest. No contest. Your need pales in comparison to his ability to supply. Oh, listen what you need today. What you need today? What is it? Is it emotional comfort? Is it stability in your life? Is it financial hardship? It doesn't lie outside of His supply. It doesn't lie outside of His ability. Whatever the need, He can meet the need. It's an expansive supply. And not only in this scope of God's supply, it's an essential supply. Notice what He said here. Look at verse 19. But my God shall supply all your needs, uh, all your, what does it say? Need. Now, when I preached that first point, I know you saw Rolls Royces in your eyes. And I know you saw uh, you saw big fat bank accounts and lottery lottery tickets. Yeah, I, I know, I follow you sometimes. I know when you buy them lottery tickets. But uh, that's what you had in mind. But no, what did he say? He said, your needs. One author commented and said that God shall supply our needs and not our greeds. And that's the truth. That's the truth. This abundant supply of the Lord is not for our ease, but for our essentials. You see, we're talking about essential supply. Our needs are not, are, are not our wants. Like many of the things today, things are kind of tied around the brown household. And we're trying to discern as painfully as it is, what are our needs and what are our wants. <laughs> We've come to a sobering reality of what we really need and what we, what we count as a want in our life. Paul reminded Timothy in 1st Timothy 6-6, what are the essentials of life to be contented with? He said in 1st Timothy 6-8, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we bought nothing, we brought nothing in this world, and it is certain we'll carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith to be content. You got clothes on your back? food in your mouth, you are to be content. Your needs are met. Some of your needs needs are met a little bit more than others. Amen. When it comes to food and clothing or this or that. But the the truth be known, that is our need. In Matthew chapter 6, when the Lord Jesus was speaking of, of, of food and drink and raiment. Remember, he talked about how that the birds are of the air. Well, they don't. They don't sow any soil. Yet your father feeds them, and the grass of the field. It doesn't do anything. But God clothes the fields. The same is true with us. Matthew six thirty-one and thirty-three. Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? And wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these things shall be added unto you. It's not necessarily what you want. It's what you need. It's what you need. Not necessarily what you want, but what you need. You see, this is the scope of God's supply. Yes, it's expansive. It covers everything you could possibly need, but it does just cover the need. You know, a lot of times God brings these hard times along. He may meet our needs, but he's going to teach us something about contentment. Paul, if you'll read all of chapter four, you know, I wanted to preach on it, and make this a 16 point message, but I can't do it. Y'all kick me out of here. It'll, everybody get up and leave. But the truth be known that he's talking about how that I when I'm in hunger, I found to be content when I'm full, whatever state I'm in. Some lady jumped up at a, a meeting and said, I, I'm like Paul. When I moved to, uh, to, from Tennessee to Alabama, I learned how to be whatever state I am to be content. Well, that's not exactly what he's talking about. But when he's, when we're hungry, to be content. When we're thirsty, to be content. When we're full, to be content. You see, he's taught him about being contentment. Maybe that's what God's trying to teach all of us. Maybe that's what he's trying to teach a nation. You ever thought about that? It's to be content with God meeting our needs. Notice finally, the share of God's supply. The certainty of God's supply. The scope of God's supply. And finally, the source of God's supply. Paul starts out this verse by saying, My God shall supply. But where specifically is the source of God's supply? God is the benefactor. But where is the supply coming from? How's it getting to us? Well, he goes on into this verse. And look at what he says. Uh, uh, according, uh, need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You see, it's first of all an according source. An according. Not out of His riches, and I'm sure you've heard a lot of preachers preach on that. Not out of His riches, but according to His riches. I heard a story uh, this past week about about an American journalist that went over to India years ago to interview a, an, a, a man that was enormously wealthy in the Indian nation. I mean, he was a guy that was literally worth his weight in gold. I mean, this guy was a filthy rich. And the, the journalist come over there and he's sitting in front of the uh, the Indian fella taking notes and asking questions. And the Indian, the wealthy Indian man looked at his ballpoint pen and he said, What do you what do you got there? And the journalist said, "Well, this is a this is a ballpoint pen, and and I use them all the time." He said, "Can you tell me where I can get one one of those things? Because he'd never seen one before. He'd never seen a ballpoint pen. Can you tell me where I can get one?" And the journalist said, "Well, here you can have it. I got plenty more. I got plenty of them, so you can you can have it." And all the Indian man was just so uh, uh, awed by this gift that he was given. He said, listen to me. He said, "What? when I come to America next time, what can I get you in return? You've given me this great gift. What can I give you? And the journalist said, well, man, don't worry about it. i got plenty of them. It's not a problem. But the Indian man persists. When I come to your country, what can I buy you? What can I buy you? And finally, the journalist said, well, if you want to get me something, he said, well, you can buy me a golf club. I like to go golfing. And you can buy me a golf club. And he said, that's fine. Years later, down the road, the, uh, the man got, a, uh, got a, a a strange letter in his mailbox and it was from that Indian man. And he said, I just got into your country and instead of buying you one golf club, I bought you two. One, both of them have 18 holes and one of them has a swimming pool. That's not out of his riches. That's according to his riches. Oh, listen, when it comes to God's supply, when it comes to what God gives us, it's not the mealy mouth out of His, uh, out of His riches, it's according to His riches. Oh, listen, what God gives us is magnanimous. It's more than we could ever possibly deserve. And imagine, you think about the peace that you have in your heart by knowing Jesus Christ. This world spends decades trying to find what God graciously gave you according to His riches and glory. You think about the life that you live, although you have needs and this and that, how that God richly blesses you in life. He gives you God's word. He gives you the comfort and the promise of God's scriptures according to his riches, that which the world cannot afford us. You see, it's this, this source of God's supply. It's an according source, but not only according source. It's an abounding source. He said, not only according, but t- according to His riches in glory. According to His riches in glory. The source of God's supply is an abounding rich source. Source. Uh, uh, author Guy King, he wrote uh, I wrote how that when he was uh, studying and digging in his passages, he received a check for someone for a book or, or for some kind of payment. And in the memo in the check, it said, account number two. Meaning that the guy, when he wrote him that check, he had several different accounts that he wrote checks out of. He began to apply that to God's riches. You know, God has really, he's got four accounts. He's got four accounts. You know that? He's so wealthy. He has four different accounts. And at least one of these accounts will supply your need. You see, first of all, He has the account in Romans 2.4, the riches of His goodness. In Romans 11.33, He has the riches of wisdom. In Ephesians 1.7, the riches of grace. And Ephesians 1.8, He has the riches of His grace and of His mercy. Oh, what riches that God can grant us. And I guarantee you, if your need's going to be met, it's going to be met out of one of these accounts. Wisdom, grace, grace. Knowledge, uh, uh, mercy, that God abounds to us. There is an abundance, an abundance to meet all of our need in His many accounts. We see the according of His source. We see the abounding source. And then finally, we see an atoning source. Look at what it says in the final phrase. Uh, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory. Look at what it says. By Christ Jesus. This supply. Is not only made possible by our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and His atoning death on the cross and resurrection from the grave. You see, we've come full circle here. Remember what I said in the beginning? You gotta have a stake in this. You gotta have a claim, a share in this by being, by being a, a child of God. Well, how do we become a child of God? By Christ Jesus. By the cross of Calvary. By the virtues of Christ's death upon the cross. My God starts out. But the only way that we can claim God is my God is by Christ Jesus. You know, it's funny, this word by here. If you look in verse 19 where it says by Christ Jesus. All through this chapter number 4, the, the same word is translated different ways. In one passage, it's translated through. I can do all things through Christ Jesus, it's translated through, it's translated by, it's translated in, in. So when we come to this text, when we come to this word, we wouldn't be tearing up the text any to say that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. You see, all of it abounds in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus, as the song says, is our all in all. You know, when you go through times of storm, in times of need, where should your eyes be? Should it your eyes be on some bank account or some way that you think God will meet your need? No, keep your eyes on Jesus. It's by Him that He meets our needs. It's through Him that He meets our needs. It's in Him that He meets all of our needs. You see, it is the source of our supply. Lord Jesus Christ. In closing, in Genesis chapter number 22, after Abraham sacrificed the ram as a substitute for Isaac. You remember that? Jog your memory. Jerk you back to the Old Testament. When God met the need of Abraham and provided a ram in the thicket for his son Isaac, a substitute. Abraham stood flat-footed on that place and called it Jehovah-Jireh. What that means is, is that God will see to it. Or God will provide. In the New Testament here, Paul's making the same claim that this is the Jehovah Jireh of the New Testament. Our God will supply. He is the God that is Jehovah Jireh. Our God shall supply our needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus. You know, a substitute was provided in Christ Jesus. I wonder, have you laid claim to the substitute in Christ Jesus? God met your need. God met your most important need in the cross of Calvary. He sent His Son Jesus as your substitute. He supplied your need. Have you laid hold of that today? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ and His death upon that cross? I beckon you today, come. And receive Jesus as your Savior. You've sinned. You've broken God's law. You stand guilty before Him in the day of judgment. You have you have nothing to defend yourself. No way to make a case against God. You'll be guilty as charged and cast in eternal lake of fire. But God, in His love and mercy, sent His Son Jesus to be your substitute. God provided for your need. God met your need. He was your Jehovah Jireh just as much as that ram took the place of Isaac. The Lord Jesus took your place on the cross. And if you just submit to it today and receive Him as your own, you can know Jesus as your Savior. You can have a share, a claim, a stake in this verse. Let's all stand as we come for a moment of invitation. Remember what I said. In order to have a claim or share in this verse, there needs to be some cooperation. Cooperation. I wonder, have you been cooperating? Have you been cooperating in what God has commanded us to do in our, in our attendance upon the Word of God, in our attendance upon prayer to God, in our attendance upon the worship of God, in attendance upon giving to God? You see, we need to be cooperating with God. That's the context. You can't dodge that. But if you're in cooperation with Him, If your heartfelt, genuine desire is to be obedient to Him in every place you possibly can in your life, then we can take this verse in the midst of our needs and hold it as a promissory note from God. We can go into any trial holding the the signed check uh, of God's promise in our wallet when we go into our trials, when we meet our devastations, when we have our conflicts in our lives i'm trusting to the unseen hand we hope and pray that today's episode of the unseen hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you for more information such as other podcasts ministry helps blog posts previous sermons or how to contact brother brown directly just go to ronniebrown.net Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand